0: to the first episode of the podcast, From Here to Now. My name's Emma, and as you already know, this podcast aims to explore the ins and outs of our immigration system, allowing you to learn and hopefully understand the system and its stories. In this episode, we'll be focusing on a story written by Cuban Kim called Tastes of Home, making friends as an immigrant. Cuban will be doing a read-through of her story and later we'll have a Q&A session. Welcome Cuban to the podcast.
1: Hi, Emma. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, so my name is Cuban. I'm a rising junior attending Bowdoin College in Brunswick, Maine, where I'm majoring in English and minoring in psychology. Um, and a little bit about me, I was born in South Korea, and I um, immigrated to the United States when I was one um, to California, and I've been living in California, um, northern California, for pretty much my entire life. So that's my little story. Um, So, in terms of my personal connection as an immigrant, um, I wrote this article because I wanted to write something about my personal experience um, eating in the cafeteria. In elementary, middle school. And also, um, I've been watching a lot of food documentaries on Netflix. And there's this one particular one called Ugly Delicious. Um, and it's hosted by chef David Chang, um, who's a founder of the Momofuku, um, which is a famous Asian restaurant chain. It started in New York, um, I think. And I went to their ice bar, milk bar, actually, um, where they had like their famous cereal, ice cream, dessert. And that was really good. Um, And so that whole Netflix show's premise is all about the joys of home cooking. And every episode, the host David Chang focuses on a single culture. Um, And for the first episode, um, he is a Korean American. So he um, talked about cooking with his mom, traditional Korean food. And I think that episode really inspired this um, article. So yeah, my story reflects the experiences of a recent immigrant named Sarah and her newly found friend from the cafeteria.
0: Wow. Okay. So I am so excited Cuban. And I would just like to say, you know, as someone who is not an English major, I am beyond pumped to hear your story. And um, yeah, go ahead, get started. (laughs) Thanks.
1: It was lunchtime. Students poured out of the classrooms, rushing to the cafeteria, a sea of backpacks, racing to get to the front of the line. One girl stood nervously apart from the rest. She carefully wove through the rectangular tables, searching for a friendly face and an open seat. It was Sarah's first day at an American public school. She loved all her new teachers, but the introductions were draining. She was starving and she couldn't wait to eat the lunch her mother had spent all night preparing for her. With a sigh of relief, Sarah spotted an open seat. She sat down at the table across from a girl engrossed in a book. Sarah carefully took the plastic containers out of her tote bag, opened it, and inhaled the familiar scent of herbs, fried fish, spicy seasoned tofu, and fresh cooked rice. It smelled delicious. Expertly twirling her chopsticks, Sarah dug into the extravagant meal, unaware of the stares and whispers she was getting from her classmates. Is that a real fish? with eyeballs? What's that smell? As she began to notice the sudden attention, Sarah slowly lifted her head up, making eye contact with the crowd of people bunching up near her table. Everything was moving in slow motion. The girl who was reading in front of her put down her book and was now looking at Sarah with one eyebrow raised. Sarah felt her cheeks starting to burn, which made her eat even faster. Now she was shoveling food down as fast as her chopsticks could fly. Can I try some? asked the girl sitting in front of her. Sarah was shocked to hear the girl speak. She nodded slowly and nudged her lunge toward the girl sitting in front of her, who gingerly picked up the fish with her fork. Sarah watched her expectantly as the girl chewed the food slowly. She paused and smiled. This is delicious, she declared. What's your name again? This was the start of a new friendship between Sarah and the girl who introduced herself as April. April was president of the culinary club, and she was reading the home cooking book when Sarah sat down. April begged Sarah to teach them how to cook. I'm so sick of casseroles and decorating cookies. We need an upgrade. I'm not a very good cook, Sarah shyly responded, but my mom is. Do you want to come to my house sometime? It was a done deal. On Friday, instead of walking home alone like she usually did, Sarah walked side by side with April, who filled their conversation with animated debates about their favorite cuisines, spices, and the personality traits of condiments. They were in the middle of a heated argument about durian, a small, prickly, smelly fruit. Sarah was an adamant no, while April was breathless from trying to convince her yes, when Sarah's mother opened the front door, ushering them in. You must be April, she smiled. I came back from the market with all the ingredients. She let them into the small but cozy kitchen. Tying aprons around their waists. the girls launched right in, washing the mountain of colorful vegetables in the sink. There were some vegetables April had never seen before. Long stalks of green onion and knobby ends of ginger. They felt so earthy and natural underneath her fingertips and April's mouth watered in anticipation of getting to eat food not overwhelmingly sweet or intense, but nourishing. Does your family cook at home, April? Sarah's mother asked while peeling cabbage. April rolled her eyes and laughed. If you call sticking a frozen pizza in the oven cooking, then yes. My family isn't home much, but I try to cook anything that I can get my hands on in the fridge. That's why I started the culinary club at school. It's a place where people can learn how to make and share home-cooked meals. She looked down. People at the school can be pretty close-minded to anything that's unfamiliar to them. Sarah remembered the embarrassment she felt when the kids at the cafeteria were whispering about her. That's why we're going to prove them wrong, Sarah responded, throwing her arm around April's shoulders. Open their mouths, open their minds. Well, girls, first you'll have to open this can of corn for me. Sarah's mother interrupted, bringing them back to the task at hand. After washing, dicing, and mincing the vegetables, Sarah's mother brandished a pan and doused it in oil. This is how you fry, she winked, a little secret stolen from street food vendors back home. April could only gape when she turned up the heat, engulfing the pan in flames. After letting April and Sarah shake the pan handle and pour in the vegetables, Sarah's mother came back holding a jar of chili flakes. April, will you do the honors? April gingerly shook the jar, and a couple flakes fell limply into the pan. Sarah teased, that's so little. Even my baby cousin won't think it's spicy. In response, April shook the jar of chili flakes harder, dusting the vegetables in a generous red powder. Sarah and her mother nodded in approval. Sarah stirred the pan's contents around with a wooden spatula, causing everything to sizzle in the heat and crisp up. Let's take it off the heat now, directed Sarah's mother. She whisked the hot sizzling pan into the air and set it on the counter to cool. She smiled. I remember the first time I cooked this recipe, I burned the entire pan. Sarah's grandmother had to pour a bucket of water into the kitchen stove so I didn't burn the house. She drew out a small sauce dish from the cupboard, along with a glass soy sauce container, sesame oil, and more chili flakes. We're going to mix this all together. She guided Sarah and April before letting them take over. Their finished creation was a vibrant red sauce spotted with sesame seeds. Once everything was repaired, Sarah's mother transferred the food onto dishes and carried out the plates of piling food onto the table. The vegetables were hot, crispy, and fried, with a flare of spicy aroma steaming from the top. April's eyes widened. We normally hold hands and say a small prayer before each meal, said Sarah's mother, who offered her arms to Sarah and April from across the table. April's heart warmed. It had been so long before she sat at a dinner table with someone beside her. Sarah and April linked hands and closed their eyes for a few minutes before breaking apart and digging into the food. Sarah's mother laughed while watching the girls tear into the food. You eat like you haven't eaten in days. April couldn't speak. It was the first time she had cooked and eaten a meal at home that was cooked from scratch. Ever since her father was diagnosed with cancer and her mother had picked up an extra shift in the hospital, April was far too familiar with eating microwaveable meals alone. But today, she was overwhelmed with the warmth and comfort of this ordinary meal. Who knew that food could be such an emotional experience? She looked at Sarah instead, who was calmly picking up the food with her chopsticks, April's gaze was interrupted by Sarah's mother, who put another mountain of vegetables and rice on her once-empty plate. April's eyes were full of appreciation and awe. This was the best meal she had eaten in her life and the closest reminder of her family. April could only verbalize a sincere thank you to her new best friend Sarah and her mother for welcoming her into their home and cooking a meal that warmed her heart and soul from the inside out. I'm sorry, but can I just
0: say... I got chills. That was absolutely incredible, Cuban. Like, absolutely incredible. (laughs) Thank you so much. So I see what they're teaching you as an English major is just pure gold. Um, (laughs) I am so in awe of that story because you painted a picture. And it was just, it was so beautiful. And it was such a unique depiction of a friendship through food. Um, And so I guess I should really start out our Q&A session with um, talking about the inspiration you had from the story. And I know you talked a little bit about your background um, and how that was in part inspiration. But I want to know specifically what your inspiration for the characters of Sarah and April were and, you know, how in your mind that friendship has evolved and how old they're supposed to be. And I would, ju- I just want to know a little bit more about the characters themselves and your inspiration for them.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm so happy that you felt that way about my story. Um, and it, and I think partially it came across as very um, genuine is because it was sort of biograph autobiographical. Um, I feel like I put a lot of myself into um, Sarah as someone who like who's new to the school um, and he, and she's bringing like a lunch from home and not necessarily eating from the cafeteria like a normal, um, like quote unquote normal student would. Um, so yeah, I think I wrote about myself and to Sarah in terms of the food references. The ingredients were very Asian-based, <laughs> I think, like green onion. I talked about durian, um, and that's part of my East Asian cultural yeah. food. Um, so I included that part of it. And in terms of the friendship between... Sarah and April, I think, was inspired by my experiences in the school cafeteria. Um, and since I grew up in the Bay mm-hmm. Area, I was lucky enough to have a lot of um, people's classmates from diverse backgrounds like Southeast Asia. Um South Asia and other cultures. Um, I remember we used to barter our foods that we brought from home. So I would trade like my Korean um, kimbap, which is like sushi rolls, which are really popular with my friends um, in exchange for my friends like noodles from India. And I think this, um, this camaraderie and the love of trying something that's new and thinking of new things as special um, really inspired this. Yeah,
0: I would like to think that we all remember, you know, that time in our cafeteria days when food trading was so important. And I don't think we realized as young people that in part, we were trying to gain new experiences, you know, from new people with different lives and different cultures. And I, it was almost like an unconscious way of like absorbing another culture, if you think about it, you know? So I just appreciate that so much, because I think a lot of people can relate to that idea and that feeling. So it was oh so well done. Um, I want to talk about also, you know, the idea of cooking. You centered this so much around cooking. And I was wondering if you had similar experiences to this, where you had people come and cook with you and how that changed your relationship with a person, or if you went and cooked with someone else, um, because cooking is so important. And I think that it was so, very well highlighted in the article that you wrote.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I One experience that I can think of right off the top of my head um, is definitely when I went to college. Um, I went to school my entire life in the Bay Area. Um, was surrounded by a lot of East Asian immigrants like myself. And then suddenly I shipped off to Brunswick, Maine, which is very different from California. Um, And it's quite lacking in terms of cultural food, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, So when I was on campus, I joined like this affinity group called Korean Students Association. Um, And then there were a lot of cooking events in that Um, club and I think it was really special because um number one it was really hard to acquire the ingredients so um so whenever we cooked the ingredients that we were using was a product of our hard work and effort um driving down 40 minutes to like the closest city and then like (laughs) ordering stuff off of Amazon, too. Just that effort put into sourcing the um, ingredients that we couldn't have in, on our, um, in our local grocery store. And um, I think the roles in cooking is really um, interesting and very valuable, too. Um, because not everyone cooking knows how to cook bad food. So the relationship between teaching and learning um, I think really benefited the entire club because um, we come from such different backgrounds um, and so we were kind of like learning from each yeah. other the different ways we cook with each other but at the end we always came together um, had a family-style meal um, cooked a lot but shared a lot so I think um, cooking as a way to bring people together is a really important experience.
0: That is so well put and you're literally talking about the embodiment of the tastes of home and sharing that with people especially in you know a college environment when home can feel so far away and you've literally brought that to other people and I I completely empathize with that and especially you know if you know we're talking college but when you're talking immigration you know people are so far from what has been their home what is their country of origin and in some ways you know the best way to connect with that is through sensory like you know sensory detail and ideas about tastes and smells and flavors and one way to do that is through cooking and i think that's so highlighted by the examples that you have felt and the examples you gave with sarah and april um i want to talk about also how you do this great transition in your story. And we talked a little bit about this before. Um, but you go from talking at the start with Sarah's perspective. And somehow, I have no idea how you do this. It must be an English major thing. <laughs> I just can't you know, quite comprehend. But you somehow transition the audience into April's perspective. It's super subtle. You do it with such ease. And I want to know what inspired you to address both characters, you know, because we learn at the end, April has, you know, a mother who works shifts at the hospital and her father has sickness, you know, he has cancer, I believe. And so, you know, what inspired you to address both characters? And, you know, how does that relationship between the two change as you work through the story?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question, um, and I think I sort of unconsciously did that um, in terms of the transition between Sarah's perspective to April's, because I wanted to address both at the same time what it means to be an insider and an outsider of a culture. And I think mm-hmm. um, the first half of the story is so- is sort of centered around Sarah as an outsider, an oddball in this new community, and her new while the second part of the story is um april as sort of the newcomer outsider um into sarah's home and the threshold of um sarah's culture um that she's just being exposed to she's she's not familiar with it um and so this exchange of the unfamiliar to the familiar for both the characters was something i wanted to portray because i think for me um When you think about culture, you can't just think of it um, as someone who's always in the inside, um, because I feel like um, for myself, when I think about my cultural food, I kind of take it for granted in some ways. So like I don't value or it's not like I don't value it, but it's more like I don't think critically about how important it is unless someone brings my attention to it. Um, like, yeah, it, I wouldn't expect like the foods that I ate in elementary middle school to be really, um, desirable if if it weren't for my friends who were like, Oh, I I really want to trade my food for yours.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. So it's again, that whole cafeteria bartering system. Um, so, you know, to kind of round off the Q&A, I want to just talk about, you know, what your listeners and your readers want to take from your article and more specifically, you know, what kids in the cafeteria should take from this who are experiencing the same thing and what outsiders, you know, who have this opportunity to learn through cooking should take from this, you know. Um, so... Yeah, just let you know what what do you want people to understand from your article, who are either in similar positions to Sarah or similar positions to April, or you know, just as people looking in on a similar situation.
1: Yeah, that's a really good insightful question as well. Um, so, what I want to take, what I want um, readers and listeners to take away from my article is that this idea of difference as something that fosters hostility or uncomfortable feelings um, shouldn't be that way necessarily. Um, And I think I address this in this one line in the article where um, people are close-minded because they are unfamiliar with it. And I think um, food acts as sort of a microcosm for culture in a way, or not microcosm, but maybe like a metaphor. Um, Yeah. In terms of, Some cultures eat, like, frog legs or snails or something other exotic. But, like, Americans eat, like, pork, which is not not, um, really valued in other cultures or seen um, as It's just not common, right? Yeah, yeah. So this idea of, like, oh, just because – I think I just wanted um readers to be more familiar with embracing things that they're not familiar with
0: i i I appreciate that so much, and I think that's something we desperately need you know in this time and place in America because we need to see people as you know the holding, you know, holding the key to these amazing and fantastic cultures, you know. And it's so important that we put aside that discomfort with difference and really showcase what it means to be human and what it means to be different. Um, So yeah, Um, I guess to round off this lovely first episode that we've had, I just want to thank you, Cuban, for your reading and your fantastic reading of your article tastes of home and for bearing with me of course through all my questions (laughs) Um, (laughs) you're such a gifted writer Um, and as an English major I expect nothing less but I was really blown out of the water by the care and personalization you brought to this article so in the end um, to all you listeners out there you can find the story on the alien attorney blog with many other articles focusing on immigrant life Thank you again for joining me on the first episode of the podcast From Here to Now. We'll be creating new episodes with different guests every other week. Join me next time on From Here to Now. Thank you.